Our first scripture reading today is from the book of Judges, chapter 9, verses 50 through 53. Next, Abimelech went to Thebes and besieged it and captured it. Inside the city, however, was a strong tower to which all the men and women, all the people of the city had fled. They'd locked themselves in and climbed up to the tower roof. Abimelech went to the tower and attacked it. But as he approached the entrance to the tower to set it on fire, a woman dropped an upper millstone on his head and cracked his skull. Our second scripture reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting, and seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sleeping into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him, said, don't be alarmed, he's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate after midnight until daylight, and then he left. And the people took the young man home alive, and they were greatly comforted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, as we turn to your word for us today, may your Holy Spirit rest upon us. Help us to be persistent in our hearing in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. We are in the second week of our four-part sermon series on mental health and wellness. The series is an overall effort to normalize and bring comfort to discussing some rather difficult and sensitive topics. Last week, we addressed depression and anxiety, and this week we're going to address brain injury. What happens when someone's brain is physically harmed or damaged in some way? We have two very interesting texts today. In the first, we encounter Abimelech, who was a ruler in the ancient biblical times during the period of the Judges. He was known as a fighter who often engaged in skirmishes with his own people. He was not a popular ruler at all, and his people did not think highly of him. Our passage occurred actually at the end of Abimelech's life. A woman in the city he had besieged dropped a millstone on his head from a tower up above him. The average millstone weighed probably about 100 pounds, and it was dropped from a height. So I'm sure we could do a calculation about weight and height and velocity and such and come up with a calculation of what the force was. But let's just suffice it to say, I'm pretty sure that it was a miracle that Abimelech was still alive after this millstone fell on his head. The text, though, goes on to say, hurriedly, Abimelech called to his armor bearer, saying, draw your sword and kill me, so that they can't say a woman killed him. So his servant ran him through 
and he died. Now, I would like to tell you that the millstone had somehow knocked Abimelech senseless, that he was out of his head when he made this incredibly sexist and insensitive request. But given the time period when he lived, when attitudes towards women were generally pretty horrible, I think he was probably in his right mind when he made that request. He was less concerned about dying than he was about his reputation being known and remembered in history as the warrior who was taken down by a woman. Instead, he has gone down in history as the warrior who didn't want to be taken down by a woman. All this when it was amazing that he was even still able to speak after what she had done to him. Now our second passage, our second passage sure isn't a ringing endorsement of the Apostle Paul's preaching, is it? A young man, Eutychus, listening to Paul preach until midnight. Can you even imagine that if I went on until midnight? Listening for hours to this sermon that Paul was preaching, eventually Eutychus fell asleep and then fell from the window three floors down onto his head. Everyone around him thought he was dead. Paul immediately ran down to see him, wrapped Eutychus in his arms and said, No, don't be alarmed. He is alive. Scholarship is split here. Some say Paul resurrected Eutychus, like Elijah raised the widow's son, or Jesus raised Lazarus, among others. But listen carefully. Paul didn't claim to have resurrected Eutychus. He says, don't be alarmed. He's alive. If Eutychus were dead and Paul had performed a miracle, a resurrection, wouldn't Paul have announced that miracle to give praise and thanks to God, to bring others to belief in God? That was the point of the other resurrections in the Bible. That is what signs and miracles were for. That is why I land among the scholars who say this is not a resurrection story. So we have two stories about people suffering head trauma in scripture. How does that relate to us today as we think about minds that get broken and wounded? In June of 2015, my family returned to Texas after five years of living in Boston And while living up there, I realized you could tell what season it was by what people were wearing on the commuter trains. You looked around at what people were wearing. If you saw Celtics gear, you knew it was basketball season. If you saw Bruins gear, it was hockey season. If you saw Red Sox gear, it was baseball season. And Patriots gear marked football season. Nobody cared about winter, spring, summer, and fall. It was all about the sports seasons up there. And sure, people had their favorite sports and their favorite teams, but mostly up there it was about rooting for the local team, whatever season that happened to be. So our first fall back in Texas, fall of 2015, we had to get our Texas football sea legs back. When you're out of Texas for a few years, the re-entry into football season can be a bit bumpy, but we had brand new freshman Baylor Bear at college, and football quickly became one of the ways we communicated with her. 
after Christmas that year, as, as a family, we decided to go and see this movie called Concussion. I didn't really know much about the movie, just that it had to do with football. And what I found is that it was based on a true story centering around a Nigerian doctor named Dr. Bennett Umalu, played by Will Smith. And this doctor discovers that repeated concussions that were sustained by NFL players were causing long-term head trauma that resulted in memory loss and confusion, impaired judgment, impulse control problems, aggression, depression, anxiety, suicidality, Parkinsonism, and dementia, all long after they'd left the sport of football. In one meeting, Dr. Omalu took a jar of water with an egg in it. And he talked about how this jar is like our head, our cranium, our skull, and the egg is like our brain. And in human beings, there is no other anchor between the cranium and the brain. There's just water or fluid surrounding it. Other animals like woodpeckers, they have shock absorbers that protect their brain. But as humans, all we have is a fluid. And so what happens when you shake that up? The egg cracks. Dr. Omalu went on to make the conclusion that God did not create humans to play football. Now, that's a theological argument I'm not ever going to tackle here in Texas, not even in this very empty worship space. However, this movie does tie into our scripture and our topic for today. What happens when humans do sustain a brain injury and seemingly recover from it, like the football players in the film? We are way more aware of concussions today than when I was growing up. I remember two people getting concussions in my whole childhood and youth. The first was my sister. She fell ice skating and hit her head on the ice and got a concussion. And the second was Billy Purcell, who was a student in my class from when I was in kindergarten through high school. And he was a ski jumper, and he fell on a jump one time. And he had chronic head issues for the rest of his life. But as a high school teacher and a pastor, I've heard of numerous kids getting concussions. And from fairly everyday bumps and such, extreme sports and athleticism, we've discovered, are not required for a concussion to happen. I don't think kids are really less coordinated and hitting their heads more often. I think we're just more aware of what the signs and the damage that has occurred. Head injuries are so strange. Recovery from most head trauma, and that person looks for the most part like anyone else walking down the street. But even when there are complete recoveries, I know people who struggle with headaches and migraines for the rest of their lives. And I hear from their family members as well that they struggle to support that loved one with all those side effects that come with it. Personalities change. Even subtle changes like that can follow concussions, changes that remain and never quite heal. No two concussions and their effects are ever the same. The injury that one brain can sustain and recover from may cause permanent changes 
for another. Like that broken pot that Crystal showed us in her children's sermon, she was able to glue that pot back together. But we could see the seam where the glue was placed on the pot. We knew that that pot had had a mishap of some kind. We could tell that it had a history. Concussions do that. They leave behind a trace, a history that something isn't quite right in the brain. In a BMLX case, he died so soon after his head injury that we don't really see what a recovery or long-term effect might have looked like for him. But think about Eutychus, the young man who fell while listening to Paul's sermon. Paul immediately stopped preaching to attend to Eutychus. The community broke from what they were doing and came together. They surrounded Eutychus and his family in a huge show of comfort and support. They stopped what what they were doing and they gathered. They shared a meal together as one while they waited for Eutychus to recover enough to go home. The community knew what was important to God was the health and the well-being of Eutychus and his family. This became the center of their focus. Brain injuries are messy things. In church, we can become so focused on our rituals and our schedules that we can neglect and overlook families who are in need as a result of a health crisis especially when that health crisis and its recovery are taking a lot longer than people expected, especially when there are long-term term and sometimes permanent effects. The story of Eutychus is a great reminder of where God would place priority, how God considers human life, human welfare as most important. I pray that families will leave this worship service today, will leave this worshiping community feeling much as Eutychus's family did, that they left feeling greatly comforted. Amen. Just so you know how to reach out, here are the contact numbers for some important resources on the slide next to me. It should give you information on emergencies, on Travis County and Hayes County emergency lines, the National Suicide Prevention Line, as well as the National Crisis Text Line. And also there's my cell phone number. If there's anything we can do for you, don't hesitate to call. And now, will you pray for the offering this morning with me? Loving God, we thank you. We thank you for the reminder of how much you value life. As we return to you today, the resources that you have shared with us, we ask that you guide us to use them in ways that help us know how to reach out and help others. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.